What's up, everybody? How's it going in the internet wrestling community and all over the world? It is me. It is me. The big old Stevie C, Steve Castellanovo, with another edition of the Heel and Face podcast. Podcast dedicated to news, information, and commentary on the world of professional wrestling. Brought to you, of course, by Heel Turn Wrestling and... Like Michael Corleone said in The Godfather, every time I want out, they pull me back in. It is a little, I don't know, embarrassing. Uh, I keep saying that I don't want to talk about this particular promotion and yet, they just keep doing something so astounding to go and totally redeem themselves, but not in a good way. Uh, so I am going to talk a lot, way too much, about AEW, some of the things that have been happening in this past week, week and a half, all to try to win the war that isn't really a war against WWE. Plus, speaking of WWE, they have themselves a very huge week coming up, a company-defining week. This might be part of the final launch or relaunch of Triple H's stamp on the world of professional wrestling, especially as it goes in WWE with uh, the week leading up to a pay-per-view that, quite frankly, was a blow-off. Quite frankly, was something that wasn't really thought of as a major mover, just kind of a way to start getting into a market. No one really cared about this. And it was actually part of a uh, international deal, I believe, with uh, whoever was helping manage the Saudi deal to try to get more WWE content live in other parts of the world, including Europe. So to go from a blow-off to quite possibly a legacy or business-defining pay-per-view in one week is going to be an amazing achievement and let's see if Triple H and the new regime what some people are dubbing the authentic era is coming to WWE so we'll talk about the shows that went on last week as well as WWE because all of the other promotions were uh, doing something different things MLW was off this week and they've been off for a while. They're going to come back when they start their seasons up pretty soon with uh, Super Series. And they've got some news about Super Series just coming out. And, of course, uh, NWA. This recently had uh, NWA 74. It's a two-night event. Uh, started last night. And we'll go on to the weekend. I'm not going to post the results for last night 
like I usually do, um, just because I think it would be fair enough just to give you all of the results of NWA 74 together uh, next week. So we'll do that. Keep an eye on stuff like that. And you can keep an eye on all of my social media pages simply by going to your favorite social media or podcast streaming platform and go to Healing Face Podcast. Just type Healing Face Podcast. I'm there. And I want to say, again, I love the fact that uh, my audience is growing and it's because of you guys that I keep going and I seem to be finding more and more followers every day. So shout out to everybody who is following me on all of my social media and accessing the podcast either here or online on Facebook Live, on other social media platforms, or on your favorite audio streaming service. I appreciate that a lot. I'm getting a lot of fans coming on uh, other places too, so I really, really, really dig it. And uh, I promise you, uh, the content is going to be well worth the listen. Listen to me in your car or driving to work. Listen to me in the shower. Listen to me talking wrestling anywhere and anytime you want to. Or you can do it live here on Facebook. And, by the way, speaking of, quick shout out. If you're going to be on Facebook, obviously go to the Heel and Face podcast. But you can also follow Heel Turn Wrestling at HT Wrestling 316 and you can get all of our great content, our memes and all of our other shows that we have there. So, follow me, follow the page, like, share, subscribe, do the things to Heal and Face podcast here and all my other social medias and then come back to Facebook and follow Heal Turn Wrestling. Do what the crawl tells you. I think your life will be much better anyway. And um speaking of the crawl, I'm going to be uh, updating it with news, uh, headlines, and things that I won't get to talk about during the show. So you can definitely, and I may comment on them anyway, halfway through, just for giggles. But you can always read the crawl as I talk about what's going on in the world of professional wrestling today. And there's a lot. And it's coming from one company, and it's coming from one company in particular um, that... Uh, as one of my friends said a long time ago, is becoming a dumpster fire downhill colliding with a school bus full of baby dolphins. This is getting insane, and I don't want to say I'm here for it, because as much as I rag on them, as much as I kill this company, as much as I kill this promotion, and the guy who is in charge of this promotion. I also want competition, and I want them to do well, and they have the star power to do well. They have all of the tools. They have live, well, we'll see after Discovery, Warner Brothers gets through with them, but they have a live audience. They have the, uh, they have the uh, cable, deals they have the television packages that they need and yet they still ironically shoot themselves in the foot or just basically all out re-break them when they're in the ring but the woes and tribulations continue for all elite wrestling and yes they did crown a new champion or at least 
they merged the championships finally is what they wanted to do. As AEW interim champion John Moxley wins the AEW championship to become the undisputed champion. Lord knows what the promos are going to be after this. We already got one promo from John Moxley about this. Just because AEW does literally everything WWE does, you can imagine how far they're going to go with undisputed champs and, of course, draw the parallel with John Moxley and Roman Reigns, but that's what they do. And, of course, you can't have AEW finish without a flat finish, correct? Let's get to it, though. So the match, by the way, which was on Dynamite, in order to boost ratings for a war that's not really a war, because, again, how can you have a ratings war if you don't even show your product on the same night as your competition? I mean, for all intents and purposes, the Monday Night Wars were actually wars because Eric Bischoff and Ted Turner went head-to-head -head with Vince McMahon on Monday nights. So, this happened. And after a messy convoluted path to CM Punk facing John Moxley. It was a typical AEW match. Not much to talk about. If you've seen one, you've seen them all. Hot start, a lot of craziness, a little bit of blood, and John Moxley wins. So there you go. That's what this match pretty much was. Now, what exacerbated how flat this finish was, was the fact that CM Punk did something he shouldn't have done or is not supposed to do, which was tried to throw a roundhouse kick and I don't know if it's rebroken or re-injured, somehow re-injured his left foot and was visibly grabbing it as he was on the ground. So the finish didn't even really, I would assume, not do what the finish did, but they ended the match anyway. And now John Moxley is the champ. Yeah. All right. So Punk re-injures his foot in the match. In the finish, by the way, not, not halfway through, not jumping over uh, the top rope at 47 years old. Um, he re-injured it, trying to throw a kick that, you know, he thinks he can do, but he can't do. Or at least isn't really able to do. It's like when my son watches a couple of you know, Fast and Furious or movies or cartoons or whatever, and all of a sudden he decides he knows what karate is. Like he knows what he's doing because he's watched a couple of movies. Right? Now, does CM Punk have more training in mixed martial arts and fighting than I do? Of course. Of course he does. 
but I'm also not trying to throw a roundhouse kick at 46 years old, 47 years old, when I've also been injured on the same foot. I mean, what's the point? Now, is it a shoe? Does it work? That's something else that comes into play. Is it a shoe? Does it work? You know, I don't know. I don't care at this point. Because everything else that's led up to CM Punk being the champion, and then this, some people are speculating that this is actually part of CM Punk's heel turn, where he's going to come back to AEW, and he's going to be heel punk, and everybody's going to love it. Everybody's going to go crazy. Um, I'm so over CM Punk, it's not even funny, personally, again, with self-aggrandizement, putting himself on top and then blaming everybody else or uh, or acting like the martyr, as Triple H said, to, um, to say he's doing this for everyone else, but really he's just doing it for himself and doesn't want to admit it, okay? So I've talked eons about my feelings about CM Punk, but the fact is that this was our final, and this started off as bringing in Japanese guys to be the uh, undisputed champ to, you know, I'm sure Okada took one look at the backstage and went, nope, and went right back to Japan. There's plenty of rumors going around AEW, which we will surround ourselves with. We'll get into in just a minute. But again, this was such a convoluted build with very little story. They kind of tried to weave in, you know, the CM Punk wanting him up for the shield and blah, 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 and all that. And, and they, they can say what they can really say or they really can't. But the bottom line is, it did, it, did it really pay off the way it wanted it to? AEW wanted this to be the payoff. They wanted this to be the, oh yeah, we'll show you. You'll see. Sorry to uh, paraphrase uh, Stevie Richards for a second there. But this was their way to show uh, WWE that, hey, we're still on the map and we're legitimate. We should still be taken seriously. And yet, no one enjoyed this finish, or quite frankly, this run as champs. So, or uh, as a, up to this championship, and couldn't have been more predictable. And I don't know what's going to happen. But then, of course, after that, then of course, uh, John Moxley cuts this promo that'll say basically said. Ignore that crap on Wednesdays and Fridays or Mondays and Fridays because our stuff is way better and this is going to take us into the stratosphere or whatever. I don't know. TLDR, I think this is a little too late and because people were so hopeful that this main event would do something to elevate the company, uh, everything fell flat, including John Moxley pandering to the fans and basically saying uh, the competition is terrible because like jilted girlfriends, ex-WWE wrestlers 
cannot get WWE out of their mouths. So here we go as champs. I mean, congratulations to John Moxley for being the champ. Just couldn't be any deafer falling on deaf ears. Well, speaking of all that, there, on the other hand, you have the main event of two big name stars that just kind of fell on its face. But the mid carters, though, they are generating the most heat with each other and it's not good kind of heat either seems like things are falling apart a little bit another rumor and I'm going to stress that these are all pretty much rumors right I'm gonna give you the same idea that this is a rumor in the same way that the rumors were Io Shirai was leaving and going back to Japan because she was lonely and depressed. But he, these are rumors, although some of these things did happen, but the general idea is a rumor. There are things, um, things that happen which are factual, and then the speculation behind it is what becomes the rumor. So... AEW Women's Champion Thunder Rosa relinquishes the belt due to injury. There's a lot of that going around in AEW. And Kofi Kingston and Sammy Guevara cut promos on each other. And Sammy's getting criticism for fat shaming Eddie Kingston, I guess. And Eddie Kingston didn't like the promo that Sammy cut on him in the ring and got to the point where Kingston punched Sammy in the back and had some words with him. And then after all that, Sammy Guevara comes out and says, everybody hates me and Ty. Well, okay. All right. Well, this is a lot to unpack. So let's start with Thunder Rosa first. Now, before I've had a segment where it was Eva Lise who was the pain in the butt backstage at AEW, but now starting to think I'm not so sure that she's the only one. The excuse that AEW is giving is that she's going out with a injury. But again, these are only rumors backstage. The real reason why is because she does not get along with half of the backstage locker room. She doesn't get along with the women in AEW. And that she's going to be taking some time off to cool off, which again is not something that hasn't happened before with a promotion that we've known of. Just not a major promotion. At least not that not that I'm aware. So you have so much quote-unquote heat backstage that your boss literally tells you to take a couple of weeks off. But you're the champion. Now, she was not happy when she made that announcement and she started to cry, but again, is this real or not? Is this kayfabe or not? 
if Thunder Rosa's a pain in the butt, then she needs to go. But is that the reason why? Who knows? Who knows? That is the speculation. But we do have more concrete information between Eddie Kingston and Sammy Guevara. So Guevara cuts this promo, right? And he and he talks about Eddie Kingston and he fat shames Eddie Kingston, apparently. You know, calls him a fat piece of crap, just like the rest of the crowd. Now I saw the promo from a fan cam. And I'm going to be honest with you. What Sammy Guevara said is not any different than any other jerk talking to any other person. If Eddie Kingston's beloved and he's supposed to be the baby face, then the heel should call him fat. And to be honest, he is. And of course, we're taking sides. And I've already talked about fat shaming in episodes before. You can go back into my archives and relive that podcast if you like. Or talked about fat shaming wrestlers and why it's not unreasonable for a pro wrestler to actually look like they're in shape or look like they can hurt me, like they can beat me up. So we hear Sammy's promo in the ring, and then you go right to Eddie Kingston. And then, of course, one of the first things Eddie says out of his mouth is, so you're fat shaming now, okay. And then he cuts a promo and basically uh, says that nobody likes Sammy because of how he and Tate flaunt around backstage and how he doesn't talk to anybody and, you know, how he big times and blah, blah, blah. Uh, because he's a heel? I don't know. So it seemed like to me most of that pr promo both on both men was pretty tame, but apparently Eddie Kingston was a lot more upset and met Sammy in backstage, had some words, punched him in the face, and then was broken up. Look, I don't know. I, I, I don't I don't know. Do we want wrestlers to handle beef in the back so they can work together in the front? Sure. Yeah. I don't know. Call me old school, but I've never shied away from anything like wrestler court or anything like that. I don't see anything wrong with a built-in police uh, mechanism that organically grows from the workers. I mean, isn't that what a union is? An organically organized group of workers who are trying to police what's right and wrong at the job. So I don't have a problem of Eddie Kingston confronting Sammy Guevara, but of course Eddie Kingston gets suspended because he punched Sammy Guevara. And a lot, of course, a lot of people say, we deserve it. And yeah, Sammy may have deserved it. But, uh, again, you know, 
I don't want to, I guess, add to it because apparently fat shaming is bullying, even though I look like how I look. I'm not saying that, you know, Eddie Kingston's a terrible person because he's overweight. I'm just asking that if you're a professional wrestler, you look like a professional wrestler. So I have a hard time completely sympathizing with Eddie Kingston in that sense. I'm just glad he handled enough business and uh, slapped Sammy around a little bit. Uh, I guess he needed it. He deserved it. But of course, Sammy now is going around saying that nobody likes him. Nobody likes me and Tay. That... He is a victim in all this. I mean, okay, you could say you're a victim all you want. But the problem is of doing heel stuff. Unless you hop into the car while people are throwing bottles of warm urine at you. And then pay the driver twice the amount just to speed off and get to the hotel as soon as possible. Like in the old territory days when little old ladies would try to stab the Midnight Express with knives. If that's the heat that you're generating, you have to live with that heat. But don't go out there on social media claiming that you're the victim because of the things that you say. Aren't you getting paid to say mean things? But we're in the age now where we're trying to separate our wrestling persona from our, our natural everyday persona. Well, it turns out Sammy Guevara in real life is kind of a jerk, too. Um, and I will refrain from being, bringing up past things that Sammy has said or done, because we all know what they are, and everybody else is bringing them up, too. The point I'm trying to make is this, this promo on both men's part was not as a big deal to me as people were making it out to be and yet this is the kind of behavior that is also being proffered by management this is the thing that's allowed to go on if there is a rule that there will not be any fat shaming quote unquote and the wrestler in their promo fat shames another then there should be the consequence that you desire to go to that wrestler. There shouldn't if if there shouldn't be any hands anymore. I thought that's what the whole locker room wrestling locker room was evolving to was getting rid of putting hands on each other, getting rid of putting hands on a, a wrestler when they do you wrong. So, I thought that's what the whole point of this was, right? Well, if that's true, then let that happen. And yeah, that's so I guess in a long about way, uh I think that Eddie Kingston was right to get suspended, but he also was right to stick up for what he felt was right, too. This is a tangled web that Tony Khan weaves in AEW, and I just don't know, like, what what's going to happen when the locker room is corrupted. The locker room at AEW seems like it's pretty low on the morale level that some people don't want to be there or whatnot. Bobby Fish has even 
made some very critical comments about not being on TV for a while and upper management not knowing who uh, you know who they have. They just have people on the roster. If I'm not mistaken, he made some comment about uh, giving Swerve and Strickland, uh, Swerve, uh, Strickland and Keith Lee the tag belts uh, out of basic obscurity, but he's been there with the company for about a year now, and uh, he hasn't seen any progress towards the belt. Well, fear not, AEW locker room, because your conquering hero has returned. Kenny Omega returns, gives tough love speech to AEW locker room. This is interesting. And speaking of flat finishes, many of the rumors and the reports are that half the locker room was upset with Kenny's tone, and the other half of the locker room was indignant of Kenny's tone. So that really tells you something there. So some people were shocked that he tried to do that, and others honestly don't care or don't believe in Kenny Omega at all, don't really like him at all, and really don't give him the respect that he deserves. So I have found this myself. I know as a teacher in high school, I know that if you're inconsistent, especially from day one, you're not going to affect any change at all. It's obvious. Kenny's back, and now all of a sudden he sees that there's a problem. But instead of interacting or working with management or one-on-one -on -one going to, up to wrestlers and asking them, you know, he, he lays this speech on them in the locker room that apparently did not have the desired effect that he wanted. And I'll tell you why. It's relatable to my own experience. If I go into a classroom and I start off the year grading easily, letting the students do almost everything they want, sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows, but then when the class's behavior is unchecked, and if they get to just wander the halls and do whatever they want, and then all of a sudden, second semester's over, third semester begins, the second half of the year's beginning, and all of a sudden I walk in and I start uh, nailing everybody down and weighing everybody down with rules. Do you think they're going to, the class is going to respond to that? No, absolutely not. They are, they're not going to care. It's falling flat. And that's what Kenny Omega's big rah-rah speech was. You can't expect people that have been living for a year and a half in, in Wonderland, walking around, trying all the mushrooms, drinking all the drinks, growing bigger, growing smaller, interacting with playing cards and caterpillars that are super high and then all of a sudden start laying down the law it doesn't work like that 
And I don't know what the tough love entailed other than what I would think a tough love speech would be about, about, you know, you guys have to do this on your own. You have to get over yourselves. We can't do everything for you, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of talent here that's lacking. Shocking. There's a lot of talent that's taking it easy in here. Oh, really? Hmm. Well, I wonder who's hiring them and who's paying them. Because if you're that worried that there are way too many people who are just taking advantage of the system, maybe you should look to the person who's hired them in the first place. That might be your first avenue to go to. Now the young punk, young punks. Whoa, sorry. Haha. <laughs> the young bucks said they made them. They'll make themselves available through email. <laughs> That's right. When you don't want, when your boss doesn't really want to talk to you, he'll encourage you to talk via email. Honestly, God, if if you have a boss and she claims to have an open door policy, but she says that she would much rather you leave a voicemail or email first to come talk to her. She doesn't really want you to talk to her. So the Bucks the same way. The Bucks said to everybody in the locker that they see every week, that they're in every week, that they're interacting every week, that they could come to face-to-face -face every week with someone, but they're available by email. What does that tell you? Now, Tony Khan had to say that it was a positive, upbeat meeting. But, of course, that's what he has to say, right? He has to say that. Because if he doesn't, uh, the you know, the, the sheets and everyone else will go absolutely crazy. It is a question of your leadership skills. And coming in blind, cold, not being a part of something having distanced yourself from the product, not only as a character, but as an individual, only to come back from injury and start telling people what to do. No, people don't respond to that. That falls on deaf ears more often than not. All right. The drama in AEW is not over. It continues. As I said, Tony Khan uh, was in the locker room with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks to have this big powwow to rally the troops and say everything's fine, nothing's, nothing's wrong, nothing's happening. And then turns around and sends an action letter to WWE directed directly at CEO Nick Khan and CEO Stephanie McMahon to cease and desist from trying to contact certain WWE wrestlers who are on contract. So he is accusing Tony, uh, he's accusing WWE, Triple H in particular, with contract tampering. So I guess what's been happening is, is that Triple H has been making phone calls to some guys in AEW, guys and girls in AEW asking them if they'd like to come back. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if all if one of the first, two of the first uh, people he called was Keith Lee and 
I uh, Swerve Strickland. That wouldn't surprise me at all. I wouldn't be surprised if, God forbid, he called Adam Cole to check to see what their status was like. Now, I will sympathize with Tony a little bit. Yeah, it is a pain in the butt, but it, it's corporate. It is what it is. It does what it does. It's not the first time a corporation or a business has headhunted and talked to people behind their backs. That's why there is a rule about contract tempering. But Triple H isn't stupid. WWE isn't stupid. They would definitely would have only done so had they had a strong inclination that the wrestlers they wanted would come back. So if they knew 100% that Adam Cole would come back, they called him. If they were worried or if they had any inkling that Adam Cole's not happy with his position and where he was, then they would have just, they, they, they would have called, of course. But if they knew 100% that Adam Cole was good, that Adam Cole was happy and fine where he was. Then of course, what would what would be the point of calling? I mean, you always get a sniff, but even with contract tampering, most sports agents do it through other agents. Most teams do it through other agents. They don't really call the person or the player directly. This is a little different because again, maybe wrestlers don't have agents. Maybe they do. So it depends on who it is. This whole mess is just causing the further downfall of AEW. At some point, what's going to happen is WWE is going to buy AEW just like they did with WCW 20 years ago. AEW is just going to fall apart. It does not seem like it's a stable company. Uh, it seems like it's definitely a house of cards. Uh, there's rumors rampant every day about certain talent not liking each other and not wanting to be around each other. There's constant bickering between factions. Uh, there's rumors that even CM Punk was just going to straight up leave. Uh, no MJF in sight. I don't know how Tony Khan is doing it. Uh, you know, There needs to be an adult in the room to quote Jim Cornette or else this kind of stuff is going to happen. Now, is this all a shoot to generate interest? Is this a work? Whatever. I don't know. There's too many layers here for me right now to respond to whether or not this is all a work. I'm going to lean toward it is all a work. Maybe Tony Khan is, is as sly as a fox, and maybe he is thinking two or three steps ahead, and maybe he is basking in all of this extra publicity that he's getting. Uh, even negative press is still press, according to Socrates, the famous philosopher from ancient Greek times. And maybe this is a way just to get eyes on the product, just to have this complete explosion of good TV and wrestling and ideas and whatever, but we'll wait to be seen. I'm 
putting more money on being able to see the dark side of AEW documentary quicker than I am to see a champion who deserves to be champion in AEW go on a good enough reign. Well, that certainly was a foray. That certainly was an exercise. And I think that I need to take a quick quick five to catch my breath and to come back to finish the show with the wrestling that I did see this week and was all WWE because, like I said, everybody else was kind of on a break. And we'll talk about the tampering and, and whatnot and who's back and who's not and how it looks like they are definitely gearing up for a huge week that will almost redefine the brand of WWE. You are listening and or watching the Heal and Face podcast, the podcast dedicated to news, information, commentary on the world of professional wrestling, brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling, and I will be back in a few. So stick around. Thanks. All right, everybody. It is me. It is me, the big old Stevie C, Steve Castellanovo, back with you after the quick break that I took to recapture, recalibrate, and come back to finish this episode strong with the actual wrestling that I watched. And of course, you can get all the great content at Heal and Face Podcast everywhere you go. Not just on Facebook, although I love Facebook, love it, love it, love it, love it. You can also check me out on my other social media pages like Locals, like Minds, Rumble, etc., etc. And of course, if you can't watch me and my beautiful, stunning face tell you about pro wrestling this week, you could definitely go to your favorite audio podcast platform. And just like Michael Jackson said when he was little, I'll be there. You can get all the news and information that you need, including. Like I said, watch the crawl, right? Nick Aldis had an appearance last night on NWA 74 and opined about his future with the company and if it even exists anymore with the hot rumors that he has signed with WWE and also the news that he and Billy Corgan aren't exactly seeing eye to eye on the direction of where NWA should go. This is going to be a very interesting situation brewing. A uh, very interesting situation now that, uh, as we do know, that NXT UK is getting a rebrand to become uh, become WWE Europe. And there is quite possibly going to be a unification, if there already was one, of the UK and NXT belts as Tyler Bate will be taking on Braun Breaker at Worlds Collide. So WWE has a very full plate this week. So you're going to have to be checking that out. And is that necessarily Nick Aldis is open to walk right into NXT Europe and possibly become a future uh, WWE European champion? Who knows? The only champion 
of Europe that I will recognize, obviously, is D'Lo Brown anyway. And if we're not having D'Lo Brown as part of the conversation of the greatest European champion of all time, then uh, don't have the conversation. But is that something that Nick Aldis is mulling over, his options of becoming uh, the uh, WWE European champion someday? Who knows? Also, interesting of note, because MLW is on its hiatus for the season, when they start up again, they will be bringing a ton of great talent from Dragon Gate, including Sean Skywalker. So this should be very exciting for MLW to infuse, which is what they do really well, infuse their product every once in a while to keep it fresh with guys who are coming up and guys who are stars in other places. So we'll see what happens when it comes to MLW. Looking for great things from them in the immediate future. But right now, we'll just take WWE. We'll just talk about that. So let's do that. We'll run through both Raw and SmackDown very quickly with some quick thoughts on Raw. Interesting how Raw started off hot, extremely hot with Riddle and Seth Rollins. They're, they're really seriously committing to uh, that now. And not just that, but a specific vision of how they want the show to be. And it looks like that Triple H's stamp is already on it. You start off with a brawl that goes backstage. Now you've got real legit heat. And I don't know if they're going to fight at Clash of the Castle, but they really should. And when I mean legitimate heat, I mean not, nothing against them two individually, uh, a beef between them, but just this angle is on fire now. People actually really, really want to see Matt Riddle kill Seth freaking Rollins. Because it was in Toronto, the obligatory appearance of Toronto natives were in effect, including Trish Stratus, who looks like she could go still, and she probably can, but she left that up to the ladies in the ring. Alexa Bliss and Asuka came out to back up Trish as Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky were in the ring to confront Trish. It was weird. Io, uh, Io went from I'm your biggest fan to I want to mess your face up, which was a weird transition even for her. Didn't matter because Trish found a way to get out of the ring and then this became the qualifying match for the uh, tag team tournament final. And it was... It was good. It was an okay match. Did what it had to do. I don't like seeing Asuka and Alexa Bliss lose, but somebody has to. This is pro wrestling after all. Um, nothing really to write home about. So we'll just move on to Finn Balor versus Dolph Ziggler. Now they pulled the crowd back into this one. This was a good match. This was a little bit of a banger. Um, 
Ziggler tried everything, pulled out the zigzag, uh, hit Finn Balor with it, just back and forth action all the time. Balor then hits him with the coup de gras. Um, and Ziggler was able to kick out of that. Pretty good comeback. Letting two guys who know what they're doing in the ring and be agile and athletic with it is perfection, right? That should happen all the time. Rhea Ripley gets involved. Not 100% certain why Rhea's allowed to do the heel stuff on guys. I never really got that. I mean, I get it because it's cheap heat, but the guys can't do anything to her. They can't punch her or anything like that. Um, but the distraction caused enough for Balor to put Ziggler in the 1916 and then the coup de gras off the top rope. And Finn Balor gets the win against Dolph Ziggler, which is probably one of the best matches of the night. Probably the second best match of the night. Next one um, had a little bit of a run to it with Kevin Owens defeating Chad Gable, which ended up with a beatdown on his end with, or their end with uh, the Alpha Academy gang up on Kevin Owens. Uh, but, of course, Owens is being pushed as the butt kicker again, so he got his way out of it, stunned Otis, and powerbombed Gable uh, into Otis. So, good match. Not great. Kevin Owens doing his thing, showing how deceptively athletic he is. And what's there to say about uh, Gable that isn't already said how, how great he is? But it was just kind of a paint-by-the-numbers match. Another paint-by-the-numbers match, Bailey versus Aaliyah. This is Bailey's first match uh, as a singles wrestler since coming back from injury and whatnot. She seemed to be okay. Um... And it's just heat to build up. And I don't know what... Uh, I don't think there's an official name for Bailey and her little group yet. Uh, they might be called the Disruptors. I heard that name thrown around. I don't think that's going to be uh, true. But at least the heel Bailey got the win on the lowly Leon. Next match... The Miz and Champa win, beat Bobby Lashley and AJ Styles by disqualification. Nothing to see here, just another few to move everything along, except for the fact that Dexter Loomis kidnapped Miz again, and this time brought him all the way back to the bowels of the stadium. So who knows what's going on there. Again, like I said in the past, an unexpected feud of AJ versus Miz oh, was arising, and I was all for it. But now that Dexter Loomis is back, uh, especially for Extreme Rules, I really hope now that Jeremy Borash has apparently moved up to the main roster that we can see some weird Extreme Rules 
vignettes again with Miz getting lost in the woods and Dexter Loomis stalking him. Uh, be pretty entertaining and pretty fun to watch. The biggest news from Raw for a lot of people was, especially myself, was the return of this rebel heart himself, Johnny Gargano. And again, like my blurb for the show on Facebook says, back like a Papa H guy waiting to see what happens to Vince. Johnny Gargano immediately appears. And crowd popping again. So I understand that there's a lot of Johnny wrestling critics. I understand there's a lot of Johnny Gargano haters. They don't understand why he keeps getting push after push. Why he keeps elevating up ladders and whatnot, so to speak. It's because he's good, he's entertaining, and he's likable. And yes, he does have the fact that he's 5'10 and 212 pounds going against him. But the last small guy like that who had tons of charisma and connected with the fans, connected with the audience, is now the head trainer for NXT and the Performance Center. And he is also executive vice president of talent. So... If it worked out for one guy, it can work out for Johnny Gargano. And the segment was great because they did throw some back and forth between Austin Theory, who's just Theory now, and Theory comes out, and he reminds everybody of the good old days of NXT when things made sense and everybody liked the product. And Theory reminded Johnny that everything Johnny wanted to do that theory has already done, and he's the Money in the Bank champ. Blah, blah, blah. Super kick from Johnny Gargano to Theory, sending Theory out, and Johnny thanking the fans. And now, so there's going to be something between two of them. And I'm here for that, definitely. Um, Edge defeated Damian Priest in... The best match of the night and the best match that Raw has had in a while. Because, again, once you let professionals do what they do and do what they do best, you'll get gold. Now, are they falling into the um, trap, per se, of because we have to have a 15-minute match, we have to prove somehow that it's good? Yes, slightly. I mean, not every match has to be 15 minutes. It still could be squashes. You know, the Kevin Owens match against Gable could have been a, a, an extended squash. But when you think about, like, keeping everything leveled up and leveled down to, like, hook and bait the audience to go where you want them to go, I'm not so sure... Every match being 15 minutes is necessary. So Triple H is there and doing his thing and all of, uh, you know, working his magic with the booking and with all that. And to come out with letting Edge carry Damian Priest. And that's going to sound like it's a bad thing if it's a good thing. Because normally it's the heel who kind of lets the babyface do everything. But they were doing everything to each other and I can't. I can't think that's not Edge 
helping uh, Damian Priest around to make both of them look better. And let's just say, put it out there, uh, Damian Priest has come a long, long way, and I've talked about before on this show how much better Damian Priest has gotten in the four or five years he's been part of NXT or in the NXT uh, slash WWE system. I, I mean, Edge pulled out an Edge-O-Matic, Executioner, he pulled out all of his moves. He even put uh, Damian Priest in the South of Heaven chokeslam. Uh, Damian Priest put Edge in, I think, an Impaler or something like that. Moved a couple, used a couple of Edge's moves on him. The back and forth action, the real hatred. Two guys who are big enough, who look like each other, kind of to work worked well. And of course, uh, triple. Uh, you know, not just because it was uh, he was in Canada, but you know, Edge coming out to white. I think if he this was like in Boise, Idaho, Edge would have come out wearing some type of white and red combination to offset the black and purple of Damien Priest, which works worked amazingly. Just got a comment. <laughs> That's what going live, and I love it, from Mike Tackett. Thanks, Mike, for checking in. He says that uh, Triple H running the WWE officially will be short-lived, and a lot of fans enjoying the honeymoon phase when the dust settles, AEW will quietly take the throne back. Um, thanks for the comment. Honestly... I, I could see it if they really did it right and if they had an adult in the room who could do it. If if they had somebody in the back who could play the underwater chess and say, oh, we think Triple H is doing this, here's where we're going to bring it around, then I would be confident in that. But up until uh, that happens, I don't see it. I don't know if Triple H is even, his influence is even going to be short-lived. I think He's in it for the long haul. Now, I'll say this, which I'll agree with a lot of other people were saying. I'll agree with this statement, that everyone who expected the, the things to completely uh, unravel and reshape and reform and change themselves completely into the likeness of Triple H are actually baddie too. That's not an accurate statement because things still are kind of status quo, right? The only disruptions, the only differences... Uh, our carrying cross is back and some of the other people are back like Dexter Loomis a lot of people are back who Triple H likes and things can go a lot of places but really are the any of the storylines different we still have the bloodline we still have Drew McIntyre you still have all of the other factors going on in WWE the that booking wise I don't think would be a hundred percent different than what Vince McMahon would do he, Vince McMahon just didn't want Karrion Cross. But thanks for interacting with the show. That's what I'm asking you to do. Um, the end, however, of the Damian Priest versus Edge match ended up with, of course, Rhea Ripley getting involved. But now, now, see, when Rhea Ripley goes unchecked, she wreaks all sorts of havoc on her uh, male opponents. But now that there's the great evener, that's right, the glam is on herself. Beth Phoenix came to the aid of her husband, who was uh, the vicious victim of a near concerto, but a brutal attack by all three members of Judgment Day. Beth Phoenix hopped over the barricade with the quickness 
grabbed a chair and and held it off and fended off all three Judgment Day members. Now, I kind of wish that she would have used the chair, but as you can tell, the position that she was open and she was not ready to use the chair because the uh, the folding side was, was in instead of out, and you always use the folding side because you really crack someone's head open, ask Mick Foley. Um, this is going to shape up for a very fun, interesting match. Who knows, they might even get a warm-up next week with Beth Phoenix versus Rhea Ripley. Uh, please give me that and more of that and all of that. But to see Clash of the Castles already, their first match was announced was Judgment Day versus uh, Edge and Beth Phoenix and possibly Rey Mysterio. We'll, we'll see. We'll know when this all comes out. But uh, my money is going to be on Rey Mysterio being the third member. And uh, unfortunately, I also am holding fast to Dominic eventually turning and joining Judgment Day. It just seems like it's kind of going to be all in the cards for that. So we'll see. But that is my very quick and abridged recap of Raw. I'm going to get the SmackDown uh, momentarily to just kind of breeze through that as well. And if you have any other comments or any other uh, things that you'd like to add to the conversation, please, please do. Um, again, I want to thank Mike for his comment. And I appreciate everything that uh, that you guys do in interacting with the show. All right, so SmackDown. Uh, wasn't planning on watching SmackDown. Honestly, I, 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 the only reason to be brutally fair on me watching SmackDown the last couple of weeks was to uh, hear uh, Pat McAfee mention Jim Cornette. I didn't even know it happened until... Um, I saw videos on it. Some and Jim Cornette was trending. Of course, he trends without trending. So let's get to SmackDown, shall we? Yep, let's do that. Run through SmackDown real quick and see what's up. First match started off with kind of a extended return uh, or extended feud as happened before which was uh, Ricochet versus Baron Corbin. Uh, don't know where they're going with Baron Corbin now. Some people are trying to speculate that because Vince really liked him, Triple H is de-pushing him. I don't know if it's that petty. Because after all, again, Baron Corbin was in NXT when Triple H was running it. So unless he really hated Baron Corbin, I don't see that happening of... Uh, Baron Corbin being uh, in some kind of doghouse or what have you. But he is being brought down back down the card. So I don't know. Are they going to go back to sad Corbin again? Who knows? Uh, this is probably just a minor blip on him being able to get back into a title picture and hopefully uh, be in the uh, main event title picture within a couple of years or so. So we'll see. I don't know. It's just a way to put Ricochet over because, again, he is – one of Triple H's guys, and I, it, that sounds worse than I actually mean it because I actually do like Ricochet, and I think he can still go far. He's still a, a huge star in WWE, and now that Triple H is back, uh, I think Triple H is going to make sure of it. 
So Ricochet wins, and Corbin starts crying. Not crying, but just dejected. And, of course, Mac, Pat McAfee pulls out the Telestrator and, uh, you know, circles Corbin's face and, and uh, hilarity, I guess, from that point of view. I guess we're going to go back to sad Corbin, like I just said. Now we go from a goofy guy to a very serious promo, and they even faded it to black and white for Kerry Cross. If you don't think that this guy is going to get deservedly pushed, he is money every time, every promo. I mean, I couldn't help thinking that Scarlett is pulling her very best sensational Sherry impression during this. She was fantastic in it with her facials and she didn't eat up the scenery. She didn't steal anything from Carrie Cross. She just augmented it with her uh, knowing furtive looks back to him and then to the camera and emphasizing his serious points. And then of course the last thing, just like Sherry would do, she would, you know, kind of touch Booker T, Stevie Ray's face or touch macho in a way or whatever that uh you know would indicate how evil she was and how important carrying across is just the subtle things that she does as she gets it and then carrying across just with his uh promo about retribution and coming back uh i wish he would have said a lot more but then again uh, just just a minute minute and a half of carrying across every week is fine with me um, despite the fact that you could do almost anything with Karrion Cross, he can knock it out of the park. So he talked about punching um, his fist straight, straight through Drew McIntyre's skull, if that's what it took to get to the Universal Championship, and he has a date with Roman Reigns, blah, blah, blah. So uh, great. Uh, just good stuff. Can't go wrong with stuff from Karrion Cross. Um, there was a last chance fail four-way for the... Uh, tag team uh, championship run tournament, whatever you want to call it. Uh, this was a last chance for a couple of people because I believe even though Toxic Attraction won, Gigi Dolan got injured, so she's not able to compete. So they scratched that and brought back the team that lost to them, Shotzi and Xylee. And thank God Shotzi's back, by the way. We're getting Shotzi back. We're not getting uh, trying to be super cool, uh, bad, bad lady uh, Shotzi. We're getting Shotzi the ballsy, bad, but sorry, I'm trying to censor. I know I sound stupider. I should just actually say it, but, you know, it's a family-friendly show. At least I try to make it. Um, not much of a match to write home about. It's just a cluster. It's just, it was a mess um, as far as trying to follow along or, you know, just the interest level, which is sad because I really do want the women's tag team division to flourish. Not only that, you guys know, if you've seen all of my old uh shows episodes you can go back you can uh listen not only do i want the women's tag belts to come back in a big way but i also want everyone 
to have their own belt. I won't, If there's a belt that's on Raw, it's a belt that should be on SmackDown. If there's a men's uh, championship and a men's universal, should be a women's universal, should be a women's uh, belt. And not just for like the Raw or the SmackDown women's championship. Uh, same through with tag belts. If they're going to have tag belts for Raw and SmackDown, even though by all intents and purposes, the Usos are the undisputed champs. That's true. But I want to see a belt for Raw and SmackDown. Equal the belts for both genders, please. And that will be how it goes. But again, not really a, a match to, to talk much about. Just the Lucha spots. And of course, um, uh, there's turmoil and trouble with Nikki A.S.H. And Dewdrop. There's rumors from last time where Dewdrop has said that she may be going through a name change and a rebrand because Triple H is up. Um, there was obvious fighting backstage. Uh, they did that on purpose. And that's, I don't know, again, if that is a direct result of Jeremy Borash and other people from uh, TNA working together to make this happen. But just like the whole Dexter Loomis uh, tirades or whatever in back of the background, you know, lighting the uh, trash on fire, having police running around the backstage of Raw, the same thing is true where you could see Nikki A.S.H. and Dewdrop in the corner having a vociferous argument while Natalia and Sonya Deville are being interviewed as winners of the Last Chance Tournament. So, um, that was, that was, uh, this is the sh show stealer right here. If for nothing else, that Gunther's chops are going to look even worse on Sheamus's chest because Sheamus is a pasty white. Sheamus and Gunther had a confrontation in the middle of the ring, and uh, Ludwig and Butchie were having their own proxy war behind them, just like uh, Britain and Germany did during World War II. Uh, it started off boring, but then it became kind of a fun exchange, and then Gunther basically laid down the law and really called Seamus out uh, about um, about his history and who he was. He's like, I'm going to respect you. I'm not going to really name call you or anything, but I know that I'm the best. Good promo from both, and of course, uh, hilariousness. Now, Ludwig was able to fend off both guys because we know Ridge Holland doesn't do much anyway. He just kind of stands there. But Ludwig and uh, Pete Dunne, Butchie, were uh, were fighting each other all over the place. I kind of wanted to see that. If they would have filled the, the segment with a six or seven minute, hey, we're not going to fight, but I'm going to let our henchmen fight. We're going to let our henchmen fight. That would have been a great match, even if it would only be six or seven minutes. Why not? Meanwhile... Gunther and Sheamus stared at each other, completely locking eyes, and the, the announcers made the point of that, which was, again, uh, an added level of drama that I appreciated, but also pretty hilarious. It's like, they're not moving. Nothing can stop them from looking at each other, <laughs> despite the fact of the chaos is surrounding them. So then we get, after that, we get the uh, Natalia and Sonya Deville playing double duty as... They end up taking uh, Raquel Rodriguez, who smiles a lot, and Aaliyah on for the uh, tag team tournament final. 
a lot of good, strong spots from Raquel Rodriguez. I've always been a fan of hers. I never wanted them to change her name. I never wanted them to change her look. She's all happy and smiling now. She should be a bad, bad lady. She should be a wrestler that just walks in and just destroys. Uh, she, you know, she's been calling herself Big Mommy Cool. She should be acting like Heel Diesel. She should be a woman walking in and just wreaking havoc, just being a bad, bad person, uh, knowing that she's bad and just walking in and just mopping the floor with people. But no, they want her to smile more. They think you should smile more. Anyway, uh, it got her to team up with Aaliyah and they eventually win. So now they are in. And after that, uh, EO, uh, Sky, and Dakota Kai made it to the ring to have a face-off. So that should be a lot of fun. And that match in itself might be really good. Dakota Kai, great. Uh, Genius of the Skies, great. Aaliyah has still a lot to prove, but I'm real meh about her. And you guys know that I love Raquel Rodriguez. I just wish she would not be... The frowny lady. I mean, I wish she would be smiley girl all the time. Uh, but that was that what it was. Segment with the New Day. New Day. Uh, very close to cutting a Mark Henry We Retire promo. That was fun to watch. Uh, where are they going with this? That's what I was curious about. Well, we found out the Viking Raiders came out and said that you're an embarrassment. We gave you a Warriors out, a Warriors funeral, a Viking funeral in a proper way to show respect, but you guys came out here groveling. I think that's what uh, uh, Eric said. Well, as they came out, uh, uh, Xavier Woods was in a wheelchair, about ready to retire from pro wrestling, it looked like. But then he stands up, ditches the chair, awkwardly throws a kendo stick to Kofi Kingston, who then beats the Jesus out of the both of them, including Xavier Woods, attacking the Viking Raiders with kendo sticks. So this feud is not over. Speaking of tag teams, just real quick, the venues, uh, the, the, the venues, the vignettes, I think they are going to start making a uh, the, the uh, tag belts relevant again because it seems like a lot of the teams on SmackDown are getting a lot more play. We saw uh, the uh, Los Latarios um, come in with blue spray paint. Uh, you know, Hit Row is the uh, babyface antagonist. Uh, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Uh, they confronted um, uh, the Usos, I believe, um, backstage, and uh, Los Lotharios um, were going to help. Or no, I'm sorry, it was Maximum Male Models. Yeah, I apologize. Maximum Male Models or whatever uh, confronted uh, Hit Row. And then uh, Lotharios thought that you know they could help out by spray painting. So they spray painted. Um, uh, they suck on the trailer, but it ended up not being their trailer. It ended up being the Street Profits trailer. So... We're starting to get some momentum with the tag belts, and I really dig that. I really enjoy that. It's going to be good. Uh, it's not going to be Hit Row uh, 
it's probably going to be Hit Row and Street Profits, which uh, will totally work for me, versus Lotharios uh, and Maximum Male Models or something like that. So uh, I think that's going to be a lot of fun and interesting, and uh, we'll wait to see what happens. Hopefully the tag team division is back. Um, finally, the main event was Drew McIntyre uh, defeating Sami Zayn uh, with a fun match. And I just can't help but think, I kept thinking that uh, Sami Zayn absolutely loves what he's doing now. So don't feel sorry for him. If you guys saw the Broken Skull session, you're going to know that Sami Zayn uh, is really loving his position, and he feels like he's doing his best work of his career. And yes, he did mention uh, El Generico. So don't think for a minute that Sami Zayn doesn't love what he is doing. Um, went out there. He actually did gave it give it to Drew. He said what he was going to do. He said he's going to be physical. He's going to. He says I'm the uh, mind games guy. I'm the manipulator, the master manipulator, and I'm going to go out there. And I'm going to get inside his head, and then after that, I'm going to beat him down. And that's really kind of what happened, honestly. Um, a good match from Sami Zayn. You can't go wrong with him. Uh, Drew pulling out all of his notes. Uh, it's really hard to be the underdog. It's really hard. And I know they're really trying to sell. There was two segments that continue to sell how hard Drew, uh, you know, had it uh, trying to prove himself and how hard he had to work. And then, of course, being labeled the chosen one, but your career fizzled out. We all know Drew's backstory. I think it was more to push Clan at the castle than anything else. But as we see, if you're going to pull a good match out, Sami Zayn is your guy. Uh, I liked how Sami was even working really kind of strong with him, you know, really wrestling a strong match. Wasn't a lot of high flying and all that. Uh, they built up to Sami pulling off the Blue Thunder Bomb, which I thought was pretty good. They got to rename it something else, but the Blue Thunder Bomb was cool. Um, uh, Sammy getting some other power moves against Drew McIntyre was cool. Of course, you had to have the in, the, the uh, outside interference, right, with the Usos running in uh, at the last minute. Um, it didn't matter because Drew McIntyre ended up winning with the Claymore after setting it up. And they set it up beautifully, too, because it was two passes. And then right in front of the hard camera, bang! The Claymore kick. So that was pretty awesome. Uh, I like Sami Zayn's position. And Sami's starting to look strong by being around the bloodline. Let's be real. Let's be 100% real. I mean, the fact that uh, it was pretty hilarious that uh, Sami was like, wouldn't the Intercontinental belt look really good to you as part of the bloodline? And Roman Reigns like, yeah, I think the Intercontinental Championship would look good as part of the bloodline. Such good stuff. It's just Sammy has a way of his, his chemistry of blending it in and not making it look stupid with the rest. I mean, he's hobnobbing with God mode. He's hobnobbing with the industry standard bearer. Self-proclaimed anyway, because at the end of the night, that's how we went out. And that's how you're supposed to go out of a wrestling show, by the way, on TV. That's how you're supposed to go out. We'll get to that. We're jumping ahead. Um... 
So as I said, the Usos came down to help Sammy out, but it didn't really uh, come to any kind of effectiveness because even though he was able to power up Drew for the uh, Blue Thunder Bomb, he only got a two count. Um, but then uh, Drew McIntyre hulked up and hit the Claymore kick, which led to uh, Roman Reigns coming to storm the ring as well to attack and not only attack, but decimate. He ordered the Usos to basically whip. I'm not talking about hit or smash or beat. I'm talking they whipped Drew McIntyre with the metal chairs. Drew McIntyre put out on WWE and his Instagram what his back looked like. I mean, it was brutal. There were already welts bubbling up. I would say probably about 12 to 15 welts. They really laid those chairs in. Uh, and that's what you do because that's what you're supposed to do because that's how you were supposed to generate heel heat for a heel. Make it look absolutely terrible. So now that Drew looks like uh, the, uh, the the conquering hero coming to pass, and even, even Roman Reigns cut the promo, he's like, take this belt off me. That's how you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to be heel. You're supposed to stand on top of your opponent. That's what he did. He sat down like a boss, choking Drew McIntyre with the chair, but also standing there draped in gold, resplendent in WWE glory, daring people to come in to take this belt away from him. So fantastic end to SmackDown, even though the rest of SmackDown wasn't a whole lot to write home about. It's kind of colored the numbers. Going to be interesting to see what happens with the lead-up, especially this week, when it's going to be a make-or-break week for WWE and for Triple H and his brand. I mean, let's just be honest and say for what it is. This week is Triple H's first real audition into what a booker is going to be and what uh, what it's going to be like to try to fill Vince McMahon's shoes and run the most successful global uh, franchise, not just in professional wrestling, but in all the world. We're going to see. It's going to be interesting. There's going to be a huge week. It's going to start with Raw tonight, or tomorrow night, I should say, and it's going to march itself all the way through to when Worlds Collide Sunday night. Uh, it's going to be a jam-packed week. It's going to be a make-or-break week for Triple H. Will Triple H be able to put together and do what he needs to do? Will he be able to manage this week to generate enough interest for Clash at the Castle? For people to buy or watch Clash at the Castle? For then people to be so satisfied with the results of Clash at the Castle that they are going to be waiting and chopping at the bit to see if we're going to have NXT Europe and NXT Europe be announced as NXT Europe there and just say these are the stars that we're going to have at NXT Europe. This is what's going to happen. And take a brand that was that that was um, a uh, a hidden gem that a, not a lot of people were watching, including myself. I fell off on NXT UK. It is partially my fault. I'll take some of the blame for that, not being able to recognize them. But now to rebrand them and to completely engulf Europe, which is Triple H's vision anyway. Maybe after he gets WWE Europe reestablished. And, of course, D'Lo Brown helped crown the new 
WWE European Champion. Maybe the next move is WWE Asia. That would be fantastic. You know, Triple H is making money moves. He really is. He's out there hustling, grinding in the streets, doing what he needs to do in order to make this product better for WWE. So if anything else, all of the shenanigans that Vince McMahon were, was doing and all the cover-ups, how that all came to light, that may have actually been a good cathartic thing to finally bring WWE where it needs to be. So ending the show today on a positive note, we're ending uh, what to look forward to with Clash of the Castle and this week, a completely defining and or redefining moment for Triple H to finally say, this is now my company, this is how I'm going to run things, and it's going to get better as we go. All right, so that's about it for me. The big old Stevie C, Steve Castlenova. I went really super long. I'm glad I started early because uh, this is about it, and this is a lot to talk about. There's a lot to get into. So we're going to try to follow this week WWE as closely as we possibly can. And I am going to most likely have the results for Clash next week and then give you some quick predictions about when worlds collide. So stick around for that. Plus, we'll just see what else is floating around in the world of professional wrestling and in what we have to deal with. But uh, thanks for joining me on the show. I really uh, dig it. Once again, just do all the socials right. You can follow me on Heel and Face Podcast on all social media platforms, all your favorite audio podcast streaming services. All you need to do is like, share, notify. I appreciate that. All of you who are joining me on Sunday morning to talk pro wrestling, shout out to everybody in the comment section. I will try to get to you when I can, either on the heel and face side or on the heel turn wrestling side. And speaking of heel turn wrestling, just give heel turn wrestling a follow, please. Follow heel turn wrestling at HT Wrestling 316. That's HT Wrestling 316 for all your memes, all your news, and all your great shows. Like I said, it is me, it is me, the big old Stevie C, Steve Castellanovo, and I am going away for another week, but I will definitely be back to talk about pro wrestling with you on the Heel and Face podcast, a podcast dedicated to news, information, and commentary on the world of professional wrestling, and of course, brought to you by Heel turn wrestling have a great week you guys have a lot of fun enjoy your labor day weekend coming up i hope you fill it with pro wrestling and as always peace